Welcome, everyone, to Treknological, a Star Trek shakedown, a short-form co- podcast hosted by two hardworking dads who love to talk Trek. I am Captain Vector. With me each week, side-by-side in our co-captain's chair on the bridge of the USS Treknological is Captain Shoff. How are you doing, Captain Shoff? Ooh, I'm doing so good. So good. How you doing, Vector? I'm doing a little under the weather, but my spirits have been lifted because I'm going to be talking Trek with not only my co-captain, but we have a very special guest today. Um, I would consider him my closest sci-fi friend. Um, this is a, a, a friend that I have had for many years. We've talked about many different science fiction, fiction universes, including Star Wars, Star Trek, and he also hosts a Stargate podcast, as well as a Ooh. great YouTube channel, called Dialing the Gate, Mr. David Reed. How are you doing, sir? Hello, I'm well. I Dial the Gate. Oh, yes, Dial the Gate. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys doing? Excellent. Well, we are very good, happy good. to have you here. Happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. This is a great film to do it with. And the film does that Does your he... podcast, by the way, does your podcast cover Stargate, SG-1, Atlantis, and uh, Universe? And Origins and the feature film. And um, sometimes we'll talk about the animated series. It's it's Stargate. It's the franchise. Yeah. That, that's, it's that round thing. <laughs> it's that so, round thing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Universe is actually my favorite. Um, that is mine as well. Is it really? That's awesome. A, I think okay, we'd see? have a lot in common that way. Yeah. I knew we would get along. Okay. <laughs> Well, um, what we're going to be doing today is watching Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. And uh, uh, both Captain Vactor and myself are going to be watching it on HBO Max uh, because all the Star Trek films jumped ship and left Paramount Plus, found their way to HBO Max. Who knows how long they'll be here for? <laughs> um, probably they'll end up back at, H- at uh, Paramount Plus at some point because it's supposed to be the home of Star Trek. Right. Um, yeah, but, how is that a thing? <laughs> Very strange. What's the that? first time hearing of it that left Paramount? Pl- how is that possible? I know it's, it's like so Santa weird. Claus is at the South Pole now. <laughs> okay, that's different. <laughs> it happened, uh, I think, around like November first or something like yeah. that. But yeah, it was really, really dumb move that's on Paramount's part. Yeah, um, but so we're going to be watching it on that. And uh, for those watching on HBO Max, you're going to want to queue up to 23 seconds into it. You're going to see a a slightly faded in shot of the Paramount logo. And uh, it's got the little uh, snow capped mountain. And then uh, David is is watching locally. And David, what's the timestamp that you're on right now? Uh, So I have the the Blu-ray copy and it's uh, four seconds in. Okay, four seconds in. Okay. Awesome. So what we're going to do is we're going to count down. I'll say three, two, one, play. When you hear play, you press play, and then you get to listen to our commentary right along with this awesome film. I said awesome film, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is not my favorite Star Trek film, and I'm pretty sure David loves this film. Um, It's going to be an interesting conversation then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of interested to see how this goes. This is going to be fun. Okay. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this. We're going to boldly press play in three, two, one, play. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. And I had not seen this film until earlier this week was my first time viewing 
this is the um, quintessential sequel for me that Ooh. I was raised on. Oh, like, okay. Like before Empire Strikes Back. This oh, wow. Is a, few, a few years before I saw that. So for, for, for me as a child, as my formative film and, and television experience, this is the sequel that I was, that I was primordially, primordially raised on. Nice. So, and it's about as perfect a sequel as can be in my estimation. Oh my God. Probably because, probably because it's the first sequel that I loved. Mm. I mean, I think when you have that kind of an attachment to it, then there's, there's really no, um, there's really nothing wrong with that. And there's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then you have a different view of the movie and a, a different respect for the movie too. So um, this is probably the, the, my least watched Star Trek film of all the Star Trek films um, other than motion picture, which I also feel like is a really low uh, play rate for me mm-hmm. and Star Trek five, the final frontier. You're saying it's the least watched. Yeah. That like, if I'm going to choose to watch a Star Trek film uh, for, for you, it is not based right. on, Collected data. Yeah. No, no, no. For me. Yes, for me. Okay. Interesting. Why? I I think I'm I'm of the camp that believes the even films are better. I, I'm just kind of especially well, in the original. Numbers series aside, group. like why why is this is it is it the story that just isn't com- as compelling to you as some of the others? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think um uh to me it's just not an engaging film. Um, okay. And I, I feel like Leonard Nimoy was completely content with being killed off. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then I guess he had a lot of fun on wrath of Khan and was like, okay, bring me back. But um, <laughs> to me, I kind of just like skipping over this one and getting into the voyage home. I love the time travel mm. element of voyage home. And then I think the, the just continues to get better. Obviously, Final Frontier has its moments, but Undiscovered Country is awesome. And then we get into Generations and the TNG movies, which I love. So, hmm. And this originally came out June 1st, 1984. I was 11 months old. <laughs> <laughs> I was two years old. This is a, re- a reuse from, well, most of all of this is a reuse from Wrath of Khan, but this was... I think this was like this was shot in uh, as a pickup, if I'm not mm. mistaken, for Wrath of Khan. So like, You're we right. Need, we need a door for to, for the for the future. Mm. To, well, to and be also because the test audiences open. they didn't like the ending with it being sort of definitive. Spock's dead. So well, they were. I mean, they were coming out of the theater. Unequ- I mean, it, absolutely devastated. Mm. Yeah. So. I was saying to Vactor, I wonder how long before we get reboot rebooted characters from like TNG. Because we've seen multiple iterations at this point of the TOS crew, but we haven't yet seen any TNG crew mm. reimagined. Um, and I wonder how many years away we are from that. That'd be interesting. Because you know TNG what? has so much love. I think I do know what I hate about this movie. It's the, <laughs> the fact that David's in it. Uh, Metric, uh, Merrick Butler, or whatever Merrick, his name Merrick is. Butrick? <laughs> yeah. I don't like him. Yeah, Butrick Acid. Yeah, I, I can't stand the character of David. Hmm. He is the 
biggest pansy ass uh, <laughs> of the Star Trek universe. More <sighs> so than Wesley Crusher? <laughs> um, well, shut up, Wesley. Uh, yeah, actually, because Wesley, Wesley, doctor, <laughs> Wesley comes into his own, and then he becomes a traveler. And mm. I mean, what's cooler than that? So the fates are not him, kind. Him to getting David, banned on so. Mastodon is cooler than that. <laughs> so I will say though, formatively, the some of the plot elements of this film do resonate and are very much a very important piece of Star Trek six. So, um, in that respect, it's hard to, you can't ignore Star Trek three. At least I can't, I know you love it, but like, I, I can't ignore it because it does have a profound effect on the movies that follow. Oh, it's, it, it's a, it's a left turn for everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting to open a film like this in this manner because you're not um, your first your first images of a is of a, a wrecked ship. Yeah, it's like okay, I've if I haven't seen up this up till now, I've missed something. What has happened? What has transpired that I've missed? Mm. And it's an interesting choice for opening a movie where we're we're clearly in the middle of a journey and not on to the next chapter of a journey we're, we're deliberately picking up um, uh, in uh, from an, uh, an incomplete narrative. Mm. It was definitely interesting for me watching this for the first time this week, knowing the background of a, the odd numbered ones are the ones that, everyone says are the worst ones, right? Versus the even ones. And I actually, I didn't share this with Shaw. I actually ended up enjoying this film overall because of the emotional um, weight of this movie. The And and especially me being a, a relatively new dad, um, the father-son connection really got to me in this movie. Most Star Trek fans that I've spoken with over the years, they, they I mean, that obviously that the the odd and even number thing is a is a for sure phenomenon. But mm-hmm. most of the fans that I've spoken with give Star Trek three a pass. Ah, so I can show you Star Trek official magazine articles that give it a pass. Nice parentheses with the exception of Star Trek three close parentheses. So. <laughs> Medical worker. Oh my gosh, look at who it is. <laughs> it's Kramer's lawyer. <laughs> Outrageous, preposterous. He also played <laughs> the Martian Manhunter on Smallville. That's right. Oh, <laughs> I haven't gotten to that yet. Yes. Your Jackie case is my case. <laughs> <laughs> I could go forever. You put a bomb on? Who told you to put a bomb on? Bombs are unpredictable. <laughs> So we said Shaw Shatner was what fifty in the last movie. Um, I you know I can't remember what we said, but that sounds about right. Let's see.
the many models years that were ago, made for this film are fantastic. <laughs> many years ago, um, my world history teacher in high school, he showed us this film. I forget where he had gone. It was some kind of like Paramount thing, but wherever he went, he was able to like dress up like a Klingon and he like reenacted elements of this film and like they superimposed him into shots of like the Klingons on the Genesis planet and stuff. And (laughs) it was the the funniest thing to watch as a kid, but he was a huge Star Trek fan back in the day. And it was funny to see him as a Klingon. But it's funnier to see Christopher Lloyd as a Klingon. Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> if you weren't raised on this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I knew, I knew Christopher Lloyd in this before, you know, Back to the Future. Oh, man. So. That's crazy to me because, yes, having about 38 years of, of seeing him in mm-hmm. Back to the Future and then seeing him, if this is for the first time this week. But I didn't really associate him with that under all this makeup. So. Uh, no, I'm I'm seven. Yeah. So. When I was watching it, like just you know his voice, all mm-hmm. I could see is Doc. It's Doc. <laughs> you have to understand. The first time I saw this, I I, I couldn't read. I was probably younger than so I couldn't read the 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 the, <laughs> the, the subtitle translations. Yeah. So I, <laughs> even in the back of my mind now, when I'm hearing the Klingon, it's like I'm hearing the English like an English kid's translation of uh. some of these words. It's like okay. <laughs> and then later on reading, it's like, oh, okay. This is the most reused model in all of Star Trek history. Ooh. It's appeared in the most uh, varied forms of of uh, the media. Oh, wow. And when they redesigned it for Star Trek Discovery, it sucked candy ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would argue that the Klingons in general in Discovery are the worst aspect of Discovery. Mm. They just went too far with it. Yeah. Even bulbous heads. They, I mean, they're just, you know, the 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 singer from the Plava Laguna from you know Fifth Fifth Element. It's just painted brown. <laughs> so yeah, the the um, the mouthpiece that they wear is like it seems like it's hindering their speech when they mm-hmm. talk. And speaking of Klingons, yeah, this is also for me. Um, anytime I see them as enemies or or villainous it's odd to me because i grew up with wharf and yeah. next generation i was like oh Klingons are cool these are my friends and that's what was so cool about it yeah i, mean, I remember my dad telling me that he's the check of of mm. next generation yeah you know gotta put a rusky on the <laughs> on on the bridge of the enterprise because it was you know the thing to do and gene was like for season two let's do it yeah and he was right and it yeah. worked I also <laughs> am interested seeing the 80s clothing and hairstyles. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to Shaf about that on the first movie. Um, it's just, you know, it's funny to see it as, oh, yeah, at the time, this is supposed to be futuristic, and you look back on it, and I just saw Uhuru's hair, and right. thinking, hey, <laughs> this is very 1984 Earth. Oh, yeah, she's like rocking jerry curls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's why she's not leaning back on the seat because she's just going to leave like a huge wet spot. <laughs> this was one of my favorite models growing up. Nice. Space Dock slash Starbase One. Oh, yeah. I love Space Dock scenes. 
there's been uh, there's a guy by the name of JTVFX on YouTube it's created some extraordinary um uh redos. Oh, nice. He's brilliant. Nice. I can't recommend his stuff enough and he took the scene of them backing out of the the space dock and and in, in some cases he improves upon a lot of scenes. Oh. So the next 2000. Nice. I never understood that growing up. What the <laughs> heck does that mean? <laughs> oh. Scotty with the sex jokes. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a sex joke. <laughs> well, what he's saying is that the trans warp drive is preposterous. <laughs> There's Janice Rand. Hey. And it's never made clear if... Uh, I, guess it's, I guess it's supposed to be taken as read that, that this, the trans warp drive never worked to begin with. Scotty didn't, you know, oh. ruin it for 100 years. <laughs> What I this is my favorite ship. This is my favorite design of all of the Enterprises, bar none. Nice. Oh bye. Which is not possible. It's not <laughs> physically possible that a human could have walked in there. <laughs> Also, the computer um, outputs, the displays are all 80s. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. It's always funny to look back on that. Nick Meyer wanted to put a no smoking sign on the bridge. And Gene was like, no. <laughs> no, please, God, don't. <laughs> nice helmets. Yeah. You guys doing rugby later? <laughs> Very different. <laughs> They're the ones with the armor, and Kirk is going in first. <laughs> yep. That's very I, Shatner. <laughs> I've got this. Guys, you stay outside the door. Damn ship out of danger. <laughs> Star Trek didn't really deal with um, ghosts too much. Mm. And they definitely play with that here with the voice. Carl Urban's good, but he could never duplicate the bug eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Was DeForest Kelly the first member to appear on the Next Generation? The first of the original crew? Yeah, because he's in um, he's in Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah. Yep. First episode, like 137 or something, <laughs> and the first and the first of them to die in 1996. Because mm. he was the oldest out yeah. of the cast. No, 1990. Didn't, didn't his remains just recently get launched into space? Uh hmm. was it him or Michelle's? I'm not entirely sure. Well, I yeah. think that his followed hers. I think. It was like, yeah, something that was delayed, but after hers were sent off, I think his, his were as well. Mm. Pretty much all of them have made at least a lap or two. They, they all will by the end. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. 
Is that Richard Pryor? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish we had seen this man again. He was great. Mm. Oh, by the by, we're mothballing the ship. <laughs> they never said what they were going to do with her. And the um, the episode that um, James Doohan appears in in, in TNG um, confirms that there's a, there's a fleet museum. Oh. Relics. So I suspect they would have put her in there. Did not nearly do enough aliens, which is a shame. That's one of the things I love about the modern shows is they've mm. got the money to do the aliens. This, yeah. is, this is a United Federation. 150 planets as of 2371. And this is obviously, I think it's, what's it, 20, is it 2387, 88? What, what, what year is this? Let's see if it shows... Uh, I'm I'm not sure, but um, like I'm, I'm impressed with your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here, is set. Um, no, it wouldn't be the twenty threes. It would be twenty twos. Star Trek twenty two seventy three is the motion picture. Twenty-two eighty-five. Ah. And do we know why you guys remember why the um, the Klingon government can't uh, go after the the Federation directly? That's why we have all these individual, sh- you know, ships with their their own captains saying, "You know what? I want to take on Kirk <laughs> this year." <laughs> I do. Uh, Kittimer? The Treaty of Org- Kittimer hasn't happened yet. The Treaty of Organia. Ooh. So the Organians, um, the Klingons appeared in like exactly three episodes of the original series. I finally <laughs> sat down and watched it last year. And in one of them, the Organians forced um, uh, the Federation and the Klingon Empire to cease uh, hostile actions. Um, uh, and if they continued, it would be. Th- the the Organians would have annihilated them. Oh, so. but Christopher Lloyd can do whatever he wants with his bird of prey. <laughs> Marty Grissom, Oberth class. Nice. Captain Pencil pushing Esteban. Oh, I don't know if we can step on that blade of grass. We better contact Starfleet <laughs> Command. There we go. Most ineffectual leader, but it makes more sense. Right. After this planet, they go to the Super Nintendo planet. (laughs) (laughs) 
It does kind of look like Nintendo like, Genesis Planet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there he is. is. <laughs> Can't wait for you to die. I was disappointed that they that they recast, but I love Robin Curtis as well. So mm. I actually prefer Robin Curtis. Yeah. Maybe it's because we get more films with her, mm. and that's why I like her more. But like, I just like her more as Savick. I think it's maybe because I think Kirstie Alley might be the Antichrist. So oh, well. it's, I mean, it's <laughs> entirely possible. But I mean, she brought a uh, you know at this at this point you know uh, it, well for Wrath of Khan Savick was was Vulcan and Romulan. Mm. Um, and she she definitely let, let her feelings show in um, in uh, the death scene for for Spock at the mm-hmm. the, uh, the torpedo bay. But uh, it's just a different approach for for the actor. I really just wish that they had gone with a different um, a different Vulcan altogether. Oh yeah, just rename her right. Especially since an abandoned storyline that sort of takes place in. Star Trek four that they don't really talk about is that mm-hmm. she, the reason why she stays on Vulcan and doesn't go back with Kirk and, mm-hmm. and you know, when they board the, uh, the bird of prey mm-hmm. is because she's pregnant with Spock's kid. Yep. From this episode, that would have been an interesting approach instead of Star Trek five death of a franchise. But Shatner had to make his movie. <laughs> And this is much more realistic. I mean, if, if we're talking about, you know, Kirk would just like fly off the handle and say, let's do it. But I mean, they would be checking in with, with command constantly. Mm-hmm. Especially if oh, the, the, the entire Federation is jabbering about this planet. They'd want to do everything, but they'd be so scrutinized. I would be surprised if they had like some kind of Federation observer on board. That is a model outside there that's about six feet tall. Look at that elevator go down. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Mark Leonard is a gem in these. I, I think it is so excellent, the the number of, you know, the willingness, his willingness to continue to come back for these movies. Mm. Well, uh, David, I think it's safe to say that you're ahead of us <laughs> on this, on your, uh, your, your viewing of this. No, he just walked in. I just made a comment of, uh, on him early. Oh, he's, okay. He's just I was now worried. asking I was like, to oh, speak alone. Seen the so. elevator? Oh, I just remembered that he was, yeah, I, I didn't wait for him to appear. Sorry. <laughs> my fault. <laughs> That's okay. False alarm, I, everyone. I, it just, I was a little worried. <laughs> I just love it so much. <laughs> I love their casual clothes. That that mm. to me, like that's fun. Especially Sulu. Sulu knows how to dress casually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't call me tiny. <laughs> <laughs> this was unbeknownst to us. This was the perfect one to have you on for, Mister Reed. 
Oh, I, I mean, Wrath of Khan is I in my top five of all sci-fi films. This oh, one's man. just immediately behind it. <laughs> this is a perfect trilogy. This mm. is a perfect trilogy like Back to the Future or Lord of the Rings is a perfect trilogy. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't a designed trilogy. It just happened that way. It's mm. true. Yeah. The pieces fell together. Um, and it's this one functions as like The Empire Strikes Back in terms of the black pit of despair. Right. You know, Kirk gets sent to uh, Kirk loses his kid. He gets sent to hell <laughs> to resurrect his friend. Um, and I mean, it, it proves that uh, for, for better or for worse, I mean, Kirk may have sacrificed willingly sacrificed David to get Spock back. Yeah. As I was awful thinking, as that might seem. Right. I was thinking about that when I was watching it. Uh huh. No, I'm good, man. I'll tell you all you want. Romulan ale, please. (laughs) My mind to your mind. It's one of the things that I loved about Enterprise is that the Vulcans weren't always, you know, the the beings that we knew. That they they looked at at mind melts as a, a a stigma, an abomination. Mm. And they had to rediscover through Sirach's teachings that this is mind melds are the are the uh, uh, are for are for all of Vulcan. Mm. In the future, you will be on TJ Hooker. (laughs) In the future, your entire fellow crew will hate you. (laughs) You know, I... They they did a job. He did a job. And no one would have imagined that they would have had decades where they were put front and center in front of thousands of fans mm-hmm. yeah. given the opportunity to be just as self-important as he is. And then they retcon the fact that, well, you know, he was, you know, he never really noticed us. Well, the audience didn't really notice you. It mm. was, it was Kirk, Spock and McCoy. Right. It was not an ensemble show like TNG was. Right. You know, I've talked to Vector about this. Um, and I'm not, this is not going to spoil any elements of discovery because just David, just so you know, Vactor is not caught up on discovery. So, uh, okay. Um, so I don't want to spoil a lot of that for him, but discovery in my personal opinion has been a really difficult show to, um, embrace the crew because that show more than other shows even though it is an ensemble cast, it doesn't feel like it. And they I don't definitely think it's an do ensemble not, cast at all. Yeah, they do th- not give hardly any focus or definitely any character-based development episodes to like uh-uh. the uh-uh. rest of the bridge crew. It's Forget the Michael it. show. Yeah. Mm. It's the Michael show. And sometimes Saru, you know, and sometimes the 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 transgender girl, you know, it, it's I, I can't even think of her name that. I, I you know, it's it's that, it's that irrelevant to me well yeah and that's what i'm getting at like if you were to ask me like if you were to hold a gun to my head and say shoff i need you to tell me the all the names of the bridge crew (laughs) for discovery yeah i would be dead 
I would have. <laughs> well, let's not do that. Um, but that's what I mean. I like, it. if you were to ask me to do the same thing for uh, any of the other shows, mm-hmm. I'd be fine. I could do it for you. Yeah. But Discovery does not do a good job of letting you know who the rest of these people are and what makes them tick or anything like that. It's because it's not relevant. Mm. Yeah. It's 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 about her journey, and it, it I. That's fine to a, to an extent. Uh, it doesn't have to be about all of them. Um, having said those things about Discovery, I do think, in my opinion, that every season the show does get better. Mm. In my personal opinion. Oh, you're absolutely right. Exponentially better every season. That's why I'm trying to make sure that Vector gets through this first season because it only gets better from there. You're at season one. Yeah, I it I actually had I'm sorry, started. Man. <laughs> I actually had started it when it aired, and then I just life happened and I dropped off, and I kept I hearing about it in the background. And then once we started this Star Trek podcast, I said, you know what, I should probably catch up on that. So I went back and rewatched the uh, first two episodes, and that's where I'm still at. If you don't care about the core idea from each season, you're going to find it hard to get through the idea for the season because the season is about the one idea, typically. That's a really good perspective. Um, It's not not episodic. It is episodic in that there are stories in each individual, but each season has an overall arc. Mm. Yep. And, I mean, some of them just suck. <laughs> and I really wish that they didn't suck. Mm. Oh, really? It's a it's a, it was an upset kid? <laughs> Let me just put it that way. It's an upset kid. Really. That's what the whole season was about. <laughs> yeah, we read it in the book and we thought it'd be a good idea. Well, it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> it's an interesting idea, but you dragged me along for 13 episodes about this. Mm. It's it's little things like that. Yeah. But overall it does get better every year. Okay. I'm looking forward to catching up. There's that ID number. That ID number should have appeared on the ship. Ooh. Life forms. Honey, I blew up the microbes. Life <laughs> forms. Oh, you little life. Those things are terrifying in the next scene. I had I had nightmares. Oh. Uh, yeah, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's like land Here fish. comes naked Spock. Just kidding. No, we missed him. (laughs) Spock disappeared like a Jedi. (laughs) He's become one with the Force. The soundstage almost burnt down. (laughs) Who would have thought that 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 outfit would have to hold up for two films? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's okay. It's just like, you know. They never establish, is this on Earth? Mm. Is this in space dock? Is McCoy's bar in space dock or on Earth? They never really, they, they, there's never like any 
leading shots to where these things are. Yeah. They, the oh, film was point. so yeah. low budgeted. Mm-hmm. He's like, can I just enjoy my whiskey cocktail? <laughs> Kirk is about to Kirk. You see Uh-oh. the look. Yeah, he's like, I'm not listening anymore. <laughs> it's like, is this, I can't go through this way. I hear you. <laughs> Thanks for the drink I didn't take a sip from. <laughs> no, no. He's a little busy about to make nine violations of Starfleet regulations. <laughs> even though I may not remember your name at a press conference a few years from now. <laughs> and the other one, I'll just mispronounce it until the day I die. Oh, out of spite. There's an alien. Hey. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> just petting tribbles. <laughs> They're about to overrun the entire bar. The reptilian population on their planet is the only thing keeping those boogers in check. <laughs> Listen here. <laughs> Did you see the um, the hive-like lantern uh, a, a few shots ago? Um, I the, did not. The lantern that looked like <laughs> looked like a beehive or a honeycomb. Oh, I miss those that. are used in the Zindi sets in Enterprise. Oh, Ooh. interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. I think on the Zindi rep- reptilian ship. I think I may be wrong, but they're definitely Zindi later on. They could still be Zindi, actually. <laughs> this gave me very. Uh, most Eisley Cantina vibes. Uh-huh. See, when I look at him, I think of Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, Ooh. like that one dude on, yeah. on Xandar who Quill is I'm like... Mary Poppins. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was going to get that orb for you, but oh, yeah. um going to keep it instead. Restricted. <laughs> Permit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> Never made clear if Federation security is following him or if they just happened to overhear him. Yeah, I thought that was going to be followed up later but yeah yeah i would think he's either section 31 or um i think he was followed mm.
So what was the idea behind the Spockness? Was it that he's possessed? Okay. He's yeah, literally Spock's, possessed. Uh Katra? Katra. Yeah. Yeah. His soul. Yep. I don't think he had enough time to to properly place it in place it in him. Uh, yeah. Um, for one thing. And for the other, um, he wasn't told what happened. Mm-hmm. And so he's just dealing with this thing and as best he can. Okay. It's an interesting way to backsell what the, the problem that they made for themselves with the, right. with the, the, what they called the remember thing. <laughs> so, you know, that remember line, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was recorded in voiceover. Like, that it was it was added after the fact. Yeah, um, they just did the mind meld on set and then said remember later. Yeah. Yep. It could be. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> That's not damn funny. This is the one and only reference to the Federation funny farm. But it does suggest that there are people who are beyond mental help mm. that they do keep around. the 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 lack of altruism of of the starfleet officers and and more of the nicholas meyer (laughs) movies and particularly this one is just kind of irritating starfleet's just really portrayed as a bunch of assholes oh. <laughs> with with mustaches right everybody well, in yeah. this space station has mustaches yeah <laughs> the old man laid about in one punch yeah and this was very specific about nimoy he wanted each of the of the co-stars to have in his two films to have a scene Oh, uh, wow. and they almost all of them get one in this film, but um, who was it? I think it was Chekhov. I think it was Walter that was that his went missing for this film, and so they gave him the whole uh, must be the radiation uh, sequence in <laughs> in four. Oh, so yeah, yeah, they wanted to give him a ch- he wanted to give them all a chance to shine, huh? So the Excelsior is a pretty ship, it's gorgeous. <laughs> and good luck. <laughs> I hated this kid. <laughs> he does seem like a um a spoiled rich kid that would be in an 80s well, that's my point. All the Starfleet officers in these movies are just pricks. Yeah. Oh, you don't. Because I mean, they're really the only, the only obstacle. I mean, that, I mean that's what they're doing. We're, right. we're trying to get away from these people. Mm-hmm. So.
It's <laughs> a great line. <laughs> Yeah, I thought she was going to say, this is a dream. Right? (laughs) 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 Don't wonder how she smuggled herself to Vulcan after Mm. that. (laughs) He he probably flew her there in a shuttle. (laughs) There was a different uh, score for the transporter sequence, and then it it was much longer, and then it returned to the the music above the uh, primary hall. Uh, The the assumption is that we were going to, by the sound of James Horner's music, we were probably going to see inside the matter stream. Ooh. Uh, it was very interesting and completely cut out of the movie. Mm. Interesting. Chekhov looks like the berries and cream guy in his outfit right now. <laughs> <laughs> berries? Berries and what else? Oh, berries and cream. Berries and cream. Check off. He Walter owes his career to a fake band. You guys know that? I did not. They wanted someone uh, for season two who they, who looked like one of the monkeys. Ah. <laughs> that makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> I loved this sequence as a kid. I loved it. I loved the music. I loved the pacing. I loved the chase. Nice. Can it wait? I'm filing my nails. I just noticed that. I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. How they're backing out. They don't <laughs> even turn around. There's a Delton in the in the background. At some point here, we'll see. I thought they learned their lesson with the motion picture. Oh, there she is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly a bald cap. Yeah. (laughs) This this actress was not willing to go the extra mile. And she's not even letting us know if she's celibate or not. No. No, I'm I'm sure her oath of celibacy is on record. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice. Why is there no one? No, I'm not having sex. (laughs) Captain Kurt. Yeah. Nice, sir. I'm working <laughs> on it. It's like 
freaking programming your garage door opener, man. <laughs> no, not that one. No, not that one. This is not working. The nacelle pylons are about to buckle, folks. Come on, let's get uh -oh. this right. Are they going to make it? Like a glove. <laughs> what if the movie ended right there? They just crashed. Uh, I think you, I think you would try to commandeer the Excelsior <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Scotty, get down there and fix what you broke. <laughs> Great piece of music. I nice. saw that, that the, um, at, uh, Las Vegas, uh, Grand Slam, uh, they, uh, the creation had a, a Star Trek uh, event there every year. And, uh, one year they had, they brought, I can't remember what orchestra they brought in, but they specifically played stealing the enterprise. Oh, it nice. Was, it was so cool to hear it live. Dang. What is he carrying in his hand? That's a good question. Is it like his magic wand? Is it the elder wand? <laughs> well, what it looks like, a, it looks like a hyperspanner. Um, he may have an engineering background. So it may literally be his lucky hyperspanner. <laughs> He's like, I bring my dildo with me everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> It's a hyperspan. Let me see here. He's like, I'm sitting in the captain's chair right now. Actually. <laughs> right. Excelsior's first captain. <laughs> Styles, Captain Styles. Oh, look who it is. With way more it's that hair. guy from Last Action Hero. Yeah. A swagger stick, such as one carried by Captain Lawrence Stiles in the Excelsior, a centuries-old traditional military uniform accoutrement, usually carried by high-ranking officers, is a symbol of authority. Hmm. It's a swagger stick. <laughs> because the, the, the pips aren't doing it. Yeah. <laughs> they they don't, they don't a, respect him enough without his fan. stick. Your ship is broke, sir. <laughs> one of my one of my issues with um, Stargate is how routinely they steal motherships, like just two or three crew members on the bridge, and that's it. It's like these things are commanded by hundreds of people in some cases. You know, the, you have to, the, these, these things all have moving parts that have to be constantly maintained. And you look at this movie and, you know, they give it a serviceable reason. Scotty has, has jerry-rigged this entire ship to run on an, uh, an automation system and it breaks down. <laughs> so as, I mean, he's, he's, it's not perfect. And mm -hmm. you, can, you can only run without, you know, what was it, 400, 400 personnel on the Const on Constitution class? Mm. You can only run it for so long, and then you're stuck. Yeah. Voyager, the Intrepid class, they, they said they could only run it with, like, a minimum of, like, 80 or 90 crew. And beyond that, uh, the, the ship couldn't run. Mm. So I imagine the Constitution was worse. Right.
There's your naked spot. <laughs> Put it together, Savic. <laughs> It's Namor. So why did they want to beam him up? The, um, uh, who knows what kind of, of pathogens he may be carrying because mm. as a result of being reconstituted by this mm. primordial planet that's come into being. I mean, all things being equal, though, I buy that I, I can buy that this has happened, but I also buy that he would be dead of old age in just a, just a few days. Right. You know, there's right. no reason that he stopped. Right. Um. I kind of expected that they would have that they would have had to come up with some kind of techno babble explanation for for why he didn't continue to accelerate and die with the planet. Right. Um, but they don't go there. Oh, yeah. Here we go. I love the cloaking technology. Such a cool feature. I love that they always changed the wing configuration. And then by the time it got to TNG, it just got stuck. They they kept it in one position and Mm. never changed them. And then they changed it. Whoa, I agree some. For (laughs) DS9, they changed it again. But at least it made sense. The the attack configuration in, in DS9 for all the Dominion War. Mm. And the size of the ship was never consistent from show to show and scene to scene. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. This is the ship that uh, that they use in Star Trek Four, is it not? Yeah, the HMS so, Bounty. But the the bridge looks so Correct. different. It's it was completely redesigned. Hmm. <laughs> but I guess, like you said, you know, it was an it was an unconventional trilogy. Like if they really had right. planned it out, then they it would have been the same same bridge. Yeah, yep. they didn't know that they were using the the bird of prey for for the next film, even if there was going to be another one. I think they assumed at this point the success of two. I mean, if this one was good, that they had they had a, a pretty reasonable chance of doing another one, but. There's that spirit again. (laughs) Star Trek is the only franchise I can think of where a canceled show you know 
gets popularity and syndication and then to the point where they start a film franchise and then that leads to other shows. It's never been done, yeah. No one had counted on, no one had counted on syndication. Mm. Um, and everyone just started seeing it in the 70s when they, when they, got, when they got home from school. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid saying, when I found out that there was only three seasons of the original, I was like, what? Because mm-hmm. it, it just felt like it was more. Had there been more, it would have killed the franchise. Mm. The, the ideas that they had. <laughs> so. Well, if I recall, Star Trek The Motion Picture was originally planned as a TV show. Phase two. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there was uh, Zahn, uh, who uh, was in phase two, became the uh, um, Epsilon 9 commander. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think I think Persis Kambata was cast for phase two, and then they retained her as Ilea for the feature film. Mm. Um, and that her her main story, the child, was later adapted uh, for Deanna Troy in the beginning of season two of Next Gen during the writer strike. Ah, here's your favorite scene, David. Uh, God, <laughs> I was hoping to just completely ignore it all the way through. <laughs> no. Do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing happened here. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't just get strangled by a big old microbe. <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't have sunset on your planet, boys? <laughs> yeah, this was the year before Back to the Future was released. The original? Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Oh, wow. This is pre-Back to the Future fame. Yeah. Genesis, where we're going, we don't need Genesis. (laughs) (laughs) Breathe through your nose, kid. (laughs) He he looks like a blow-up doll. (laughs) For Catholic priests. Yep, I went there. <laughs> we didn't talk about the proto matter. An interesting curveball. Mm. Genesis was perfect until proto matter. Yeah, right. They had to introduce something to to make the planet so unstable and and a good a nice excuse to never attempt this ever again. <laughs> so, except in the Genesis wave novels, which aren't bad. Leah Brahm's husband finally dies and she finally gets together with Jordy. Oh, dang. What's interesting is like this volatility does not happen in the cave at all. Mm. Volatility? For the planet? Yeah, uh, like the cave doesn't have the same weather issues Mm -hmm. or accelerated growth. Oh, you're talking about the phase two cave? Yes, yes. Right. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's an absolutely fair point. But to your point, like you said, they had to come up with a, a mm-hmm. reason yeah, that wasn't for it to be either. unstable. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought of it. Yeah, that the freaking cave worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
is your Bluetooth working? <laughs> he said he used protomatter in the Genesis Matrix. He may have not have used it in the in the Matrix for the Genesis Cave. Mm. So, but that, that's that, that even makes even more questions raised. So mm. I'm moving on. <laughs> How are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> very <laughs> whoa it's a nice command regular intervals <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> you decide well whatever your units are maintain them <laughs> <laughs> look they did it before house of the dragon they switched the actor. Mm-hmm. I have a, a handful of irritations with Strange New Worlds, and one of them is that the Vulcans now just screw whenever they want to. <laughs> and it's that's not what they do. Mm. They're not... They are sexual beings, but they are sexual beings every seven years. Ah. It's not... I mean... And then, you know, to bring, as far as I was concerned, he hadn't seen her since childhood. Mm. It's, it's the thing that I have the hardest time buying about the, uh, about the strange new world. It's, it's another thread that they've, that they've, that they've decided to tug on mm. from well, the 23rd it, century. I, arguably, just... I think the reason why that they've created this problem is because to bring in strange new worlds is hot cha cha. <laughs> and there's, there ain't no way Spock ain't. <laughs> hitting that as much as possible so you know he's like seven years i can't i can't wait yeah i need that now i mean it's entertaining it gives him a, a subplot for the to, to run over the over the show but yeah you know this is this is retcons the original now. series it's funny in the end credits they're like and Spock, and it's like five different actors. Right. <laughs> they have like different names for it. It's not like Spock at age this. It's just like kid Spock, mm. angsty Spock. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really? No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Skater boy Spock. <laughs> Orny Spock. <laughs> hey, check out this Klingon facial hair. Mm. Whoa. The best puppetry 1984 can offer. It was, it was a good puppet. <laughs> it's not a Salot and it's not a Targ. We've never really seen them again, which is a shame because I think they were really cool. Mm. Yeah, they were That's cool. cool. They could have easily adapted them in Discovery, but we never did again. Instead, we see Klingons with apparently three pee holes. <laughs> Jeez, man. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Hashtag priorities. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've gotten to that episode yet. Ah, uh, season one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's season. Yeah, it's season one. Oh, man. 
David, we gave you the phaser. You had one job. <laughs> he See, certainly doesn't act like a Kirk. You're right about that. He looks like he was raised by his mother. <laughs> so. He is a big mama's boy, big time. He even called his mom mother. Like, oh my God. <laughs> mother. <laughs> Kirk's being a meanie head. <laughs> mother, can you wipe my butt? I can't not hear Doc Brown. Right? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> or um, uh, from Taxi, was it Reverend Jim? Oh, yeah. I've never seen it. Uh, what <laughs> does the yellow light mean? did such a good job in this. I had no idea he was even in this movie growing up. Well, that's the thing. I mean, um, John Larroquette plays his lieutenant. He worked with Christopher Lloyd for, you know, two months. Christopher had no idea who he was. <laughs> or so he says. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. What? John Larroquette is in this movie? It's a joke John Larroquette made at the 30th anniversary. Yeah. I worked with Christopher Lloyd for two months. He had no idea who I was. I was, I played Malt, his lieutenant. I gave him the first secret first name, Chocolate. When this baby hits 88 miles, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to see some serious shit. <laughs> Lest I vaporize thee. <laughs> <laughs> they used Kelechems again in Next Generation one time. Redemption Part 2. Mm. Worf is manning the tactical station aboard his brother's bird of prey. It was a nice callback. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember Kelechems as... Uh... <laughs> it's their version of Centons. Yeah. Which is... Cylon version of, I guess, meters. <laughs> oh. Cool effect. <laughs> Those damn sparks, all the bridges are full of them. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Killed his dog. <laughs> yeah. 
Christopher Lloyd about to go John Wick on him. Yeah. Shouldn't have killed his dog. <laughs> My buddy's writing a, a biography of John Wick uh, on the different movies, and ah. their, their title is They Shouldn't Have Killed His Dog. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think it's already out. Oh, dang. He's doing a Stargate one now. Don't really, they don't really show where it was hit. I mean, was it was it hit on the nacelle? It sure looked like it. it didn't look or like the impulse the bridge. drive. Yeah, but yet it <laughs> there was a chain reaction for all their center consoles and exactly where Kirk was standing. So, oh, absolutely. The thing that you have to that you have to remember about the I, that you just have to take on faith is that no one has scanned anyone's ship. So they all just assume <laughs> standard crew compliments for mm. cruisers. Why don't you scan the ship idiot and find out that there's <laughs> <laughs> nothing works and there's no one there. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. You were supposed to call action. <laughs> I had my hanky in my face, damn it. <laughs> it was like I was stuffing my face with red Mike and Ike's, right? Come on. That's that's Lara Cat? No. Okay. The other guy. The other guy. I forget what this one's name is, but I love his eyebrows. <laughs> and they would rightfully have been terrified by it. I always assumed that his government sent him and then the ambassador probably had no knowledge of it and was able to d deny all of it. Um, I think this is why this movie works because there's, there's two losses in the film. There's almost a third. Um, David and the ship. Yeah. And um, I mean, the, the, the film doesn't only like knock you over, but it knocks you on your ass. And then it, then it stomps all over your, your balls. <laughs> um, Cause it's just, it's brutal. Yeah. Um, We've never seen Kirk like this before. Kirk is never at the disadvantage. Right. 
he doesn't believe in the no win scenario and he's going to like like McCoy says you turn death into a fighting chance to live mm. and just I mean just imagine you know you had you had this relationship with this woman years ago uh, she raised your kid your kid becomes part of your life and you not only do you lose him, you you violently lose him. Yeah. To an to an enemy that you have hunted by uh, that have been hunted by and hunted for years. Klingon bastards, you killed my <laughs> son. Did he, did he mean to slip or was that on purpose? I don't, I, I always wondered, I've always wondered. <laughs> I'm sure it's on purpose. You think so? To convey just shock, utter devastation. That was the moment that hit me as a father. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, we can only do so much to protect our kids. So they got to go out and make their own planets. Yeah. <laughs> always irritated me that the timing is completely off on this. <laughs> now just do it over voiceover. Get the get the film to time and then have Chris come back in and give the correct time <laughs> between that and the explosion. That's that's more that's like 6 minutes. Mm. Kapla. Kapla, you too. <laughs> Mark Okran designed the Klingon language for this film. And he first took the, the information that was introduced in motion picture. I think I think James Dewan had something to do with that. And then Mark Leonard spoke the dialogue as, as the Klingon commander. Oh. Um, they Did used you know that those... you can learn? Yeah. You... You can learn Klingon on Duolingo. Yep. What? Yep. 
Yeah, there's classes you can take. Dang. Yeah. On Duolingo, they've got, obviously, actual foreign languages, but they've got Klingon and High Valyrian. So if you're a fan of Game of Thrones. Oh, wow. Yeah. Don't they have Sindarin as well? I'm pretty sure. What was that? uh, Elvish. Sindarin. Oh, maybe they do. I I think they've got it, too. Um. Yeah, I mean, then you've—I mean, you've got Fremen from uh, Dune. You know, there's a lot of constructed languages. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like on Spaceballs. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the same combination on my my luggage. <laughs> It's interesting laughing with people over a, a scene, you know, that I've uh, taken seriously all my life. Mm. I kind of all, almost feel uncomfortable about it. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been reading the since watching the blue, I've been reading the caution sign. No smoke. See, no smoking right there. (laughs) Isn't that ridiculous? And that's number one. Lest the transporters Heisenberg compensator set off the fumes. (laughs) My gosh. Ridiculous. Nicholas Meyer had some odd ideas. His constant use of paper, for one thing, just driving me. They don't use paper. They haven't used paper since since the the cage pilot. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I get the the suspension of disbelief here. Well, moment of silence, I guess. While we <laughs> right, yeah. Let's go down. It's it's an impressive effect. Yeah, it still looks pretty darn good after mm-hmm. you know thirty nine years. Yeah. Whoosh. Oh, it's got to be tough to watch for them. Yeah, watch. Imagine your childhood home burning. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or your home you spent, you know, your entire life in. This is like um, the first season of Game of Thrones. Spoilers for anybody who hasn't. Have you, have you both seen Game of Thrones? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so spoilers for anybody who hasn't. You can skip ahead of this if you want to, but like this, this is like when Game of Thrones went off and just beheaded Ned Stark. You know, I don't know anyone like, who doesn't know that Game of Thrones fan or not. Yeah, right. But like the stakes of that to yeah. just to blow up the Enterprise. Uh-huh. Man, it took balls. Yeah. yeah, and Nimoy was so like committed to doing it, and 
Then they put it in the trailer for the movie. Oh, dang. And he had left explicit instructions for them not... He had worked so hard on on keeping the things things secret for the film, and he had no control over the trailer, and he, he was devastated. Oh. Uh. So the audience went in knowing exactly that was that that was going to happen. Dang. Uh, and I, I think that that's a real shame. Yeah, I agree. So what I was going to say uh, regarding the Klingons on the bridge of the Enterprise, they're talking in English. Mm-hmm. And I know the suspension of disbelief is that it's the universal translator mm. that is why we understand them to be saying speaking English, but they're actually speaking Klingon to each other. Mm-hmm. But like... That is not super clear. And so when they're talking to each other and talking to uh, their Klingon captain. Yeah. And then they're like, what's the counting? Right. For that scene, they should have been, they should have been speaking in Klingon. Yeah, I agree. That's exactly right. Or if you're going to have them speaking Klingon, have them speaking Klingon the whole movie. Right. Right. Just do subtitles. Because it would have, it would have made that, that sequence of the countdown much more convincing because they don't know what they're looking at and they don't know what they're hearing. Right. Or have them speak in English through the whole thing. And we'll just assume that it's the universal translator. At work. Right. Right. No. And there are actually, um, scenes that were shot in English that were changed to Klingon. Oh, wow. Um, Interesting. when, uh, when Krooge, shoots his guy on the bridge after a lucky shot sir yeah. he calls him an animal you can see his mouth actually say animal and then mark okrand went in and and added and had it changed to hadaba so it, it looks the same but it's because uh, he was still building the language at the point so he could do it uh um but he's a klingon word Well, at least he can take some solace in that. (laughs) That could be why he stopped aging. They got him off the planet. I didn't think of that. but they don't want to get him off the planet too soon. He's got to get to adult spot. <laughs> He's still He's got to get to about 70 years old. So. <laughs> it's not fair. He's like 55 here. Like, <laughs> they're like, oh, you're spring chicken. there. Maybe about five more minutes, then we'll go. <laughs> yeah. That's life. <laughs> That's what people say. <laughs> what was the secret of Genesis? Just talking about the the formula. Mm. Oh, the secret of Genesis is protomatter. <laughs> he I don't think he knows that. So I think that died with that died with David. No, it didn't. It, it Savick knows it. So 
I wish I had been old enough in the th- to see this in the theater. Mm. What's the first uh, Star Trek movie you saw in theaters? Six. Me too. That's the first yeah? one I saw. I'm 39. Nice. I was telling, um, I think I was telling David this, um, Gen- Generations was my first. Mm, good film. Not great. Good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I really yeah. enjoy Generations. I don't like when people give it a hard time. I, uh, Generations is fun. Well, even Brandon and and um, Ron Moore say that All Good Things is the superior script, that, 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 that All Things Being Equal, that should have been a a movie in generations just wasn't as, as, I mean, they, they went back and forth on so many things for so long. Mm. They didn't know what they wanted to do with the story. Mm. Should both the ships be fighting each other, both the enterprises, then, you know, yeah, that doesn't work. You wouldn't know who to root for. Oh, just shot, saw a clear shot of the stunt man's face. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> Klingon bastard, you <laughs> kill my son. That is the definition of throttled. Right there. <laughs> I was rereading Game of Thrones and, or not re- Game of Thrones, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, and and uh, Martin and uh, Tolkien uses the the expression throttled a lot. I was like, oh, I had wow. to look up what that was. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Speaking of Mount liquid, Doom. Liquid hot magma. <laughs> Welcome to my secret volcano layer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. See, this is the definition of a hero right here. Mm. You want to know who a good guy is? A good guy is, is the guy who helps the man who's slaughtered his blood even when he's down. Right. <laughs> I still think that's a cool effect. Mount Doom or Mustafar. Yeah. Now in the uh the end credits for this movie, his hand comes back up like the Terminator. <laughs> gives a little <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> and then like Skeletor, he's like, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> I think Star Trek five would have been better if Captain Claw was Kruge's son. Ooh. He had a personal vendetta to settle. Yeah. But no, just another rogue Klingon bird of prey <laughs> roaming the galaxy. <laughs> be careful Talk with that shave. robe. We're about to see some Spock balls. <laughs> <laughs> They managed to pull that. That was not a very large set. They managed to pull off quite a bit. Yeah. Really cool.
one of the earlier appearances of the Klingon logo. Ah. <laughs> you would not want to stay in low orbit. Hit it. <laughs> In. Gage. <laughs> I think the visual effects largely hold up, except for the friggin' black mats around all the ships. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love this scene. They've always driven each other nuts. Um, right. But McCoy has to admit, I don't think I could lose you. I, I don't think I could stand to lose you again. <laughs> First time seeing Nimoy. Mm. An hour and twenty minutes in. I, he his he was laying on the on the planet. Oh. But yeah, first real shot of him for sure. Yeah. yeah. But he's been busy because he did direct the film. <laughs> he did. <laughs> run out of people to pick on. <laughs> Sirach died on Mount Salea. Strange New Worlds has done a good job of um, interpreting Vulcan in the in the pilot and in that the dream sequence. It was mm. really cool. Yeah, they yeah. they have a good um, like color key going as far as uh-huh. getting that rusty look to yep. the um, just the atmosphere and everything. In Discovery, Vulcan does not look like Vulcan. I don't think in mm. the scenes that that are taking place on Vulcan. Um. Yeah, you're right. This the, whatever's giant snake thing under the ground. Like, what planet are we on? I, mean, I don't know where this is, but. Like kids waiting there. No, no, you can't get on yet. Next, next in line.
I was a pretty advanced age before I realized that that symbol behind um, the Vulcan shaman is <laughs> it's it's the Vulcan hand gesture. Ah. Nice. Oh my gosh, you're right. Uh huh. What? <laughs> and this this was. I think she's actually a dame, if I'm not mistaken. I was about to say she is a she's like gorgeous, like a dame, but I think she's legitimately a dame. Oh. Um, uh, Talar. Dame Judith Anderson. Oh, dang. No, dame. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, 1897 to 1992. Whoa. Died at 94 years old. Yeah. These poor girls having to hold their hands like that for. It's like, we hate Leonard Nimoy. He just wants us to look good. Vulcan High Priestess in the 23rd century. She presided over the Faltor Pond ceremony. In the novel Vulcan's Heart, she officiates the wedding of Spock and Savik in 2344. Oh, wow. Which is 50 years after this. And in the novelization for Final Frontier, she assists in Amanda Grayson's birth of Spock in Sagabach's kind of vision. I was figured Sarek was aristocratic. We got a lot of Davids in this. We got son of David, Kirk's son, David, and we got David on the commentary. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, at least one of them lived. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you're going to bring me all the way here and I'm going to say no to this. Of course I'm going to say yes. (laughs) Hell of a time to ask. Change my mind. You know what? I'm good. <laughs> yeah. He'll be fine. There's no no soul in there, but he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. She's like, bibbity boppity boo. <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar, yeah. <laughs> Those um, uh, ruby red um, rings with the that the, the candy what were they called pop? wing pop- pops. Yes. Yeah, I thought she had one of those on her finger. <laughs> it does look. She like needs that. to work on that. 
<laughs> It'd be funny if she tries to like lean over to it and like take a little <laughs> take a little lick like, in the middle of the ritual. Well, she is up there all night. <laughs> I'm gonna need some sustenance. <laughs> gonna have a little lick of this ring pop <laughs> over here. I remember ring pops and push pops that you'd push from mm, the bottom. Mm-hmm. I think I would like this scene more if she was like v- visibly like convulsing <laughs> as like the Katra is moving through her mm. into Spock's body. She's just like shaking. Ah. <laughs> Kong. Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Spock had some chest hair. Just another polluted day on Vulcan. (laughs) It's not polluted. (laughs) It's haze. (laughs) Caused by the nuclear vessels. (laughs) They did a pretty good job with this set, though. Kind of like the horizon line. Yeah. Got a lot of mileage out of it. You know, I'd take a, a $10 million, $20 million Trek film over a $200 million Trek film any day. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> My work is done. Yeah. She's like, you couldn't have gotten me a chair <laughs> for the ceremony. <laughs> I had to stand through that whole thing. I don't care. We're going to put him through some rigorous quizzes. Mm-hmm. What is Kiri Kinthaw's first law of metaphysics? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Seriously, what is it? What is what? Kiri Kinthaw's first law of metaphysics. I forget. Uh, nothing unreal exists. Ah, yes. Ooh. Um, How do you feel? <laughs> right. <laughs> You're half human. How do the computer you feel? knows. <laughs> yeah. When Archer is going through the forge with T'Pol, uh, um, Siren asks Archer the, the, the same questions that the computer asks Spock. Mm. Something tells me you're not a student of Serac, human. He's like, hello. I mean, if you just turned around, winked, and that was the end. Ship. Out of danger. <laughs> no one else has those cheekbones. <laughs> you can hire and hire and hire people to, to play Spock, and no one has those cheekbones. Mm. Your name is Jim. <laughs> He actually just showed up in an episode of Prodigy that we uh, talked about. Spock? Yeah. It was a hologram. Interesting. I haven't seen it yet. And I think they used archival audio of Leonard Nimoy. All right. I don't know any of you. Mm Mm-mm.
You'd be terrified. You'd be terrified it didn't work. Right. That's not how it goes. <laughs> He's like, you completely misunderstood that. We kind of blew it up, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, we saved it, and then we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. He's like, Jim, <laughs> you need to go to the gym jeez <laughs> <laughs> don't touch me stop touching yeah, this get, is get, a little get much <laughs> this is a little you know, much give him some I just space. resurrected now no <laughs> the rock does that <laughs> yeah now looking at our shirt next we have to go find the triforce of wisdom yeah so. <laughs> In The Legend of Zelda 3. <laughs> Hooray. Woohoo. Very good. Excellent. Very good film. I'm very happy that David joined us for the search for Spock. I'm I'm, I'm thrilled to, to have been invited. This is wonderful. I, I was, you know, damn impressed with your Star Trek knowledge. Uh, I mean, I, I'm only just meeting you, but... <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, best friend? <laughs> I am functioning within normal parameters. <laughs> you are welcome on Trechnological anytime. Well, I appreciate sure. that very much so. Um, this, this is my franchise. Uh, I work and love Stargate. Um, I, 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 I love Star Wars. Um, but Star Trek is... It, is almost a religion to me in terms of its philosophy mm. in terms of uh, how it, it uh, encourages us to, to, to be better as humans. Yes. Um, and uh, I think that Roddenberry's philosophy is a very correct one. Um, so it, it, it governs almost everything that I do in my life. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Hundred percent agree. This is this was very nice to be uh, to be welcomed on. And I, I I'm sorry I have not met you before, and I I really <laughs> appreciate the, uh, the the invitation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm glad Vactor reached out to you and, and made this happen because, uh, yeah, you are a kindred spirit amongst uh, us here uh, on the bridge of the USS Technological. So, um, with that, listeners. 
Trekkies, Trekkers, we appreciate you so much. We're so glad that you joined us for this film. Um, ideally, this film will, uh, or this film, this uh, recording will go live on December 1st. Um, and then look forward to the first of the new year where we'll be uh, providing our commentary for the next film in the franchise, which is Star Trek for the Voyage Home. One of my personal favorites. Nice. Uh, it's got time travel and you can't do and you can't go wrong with tra- time yes. travel movies. Before you button this all up, uh, do you like the film any more after having watched it with this group? Yes, actually. Um, <laughs> I, it, this, this film is con- like considerably better than the motion picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to probably say that one and three were on par with each other, but now three is definitely a much finer film yeah. than, than I remember it. It's still one of my least watched movies, but mm-hmm. now I'm glad that I, I did rewatch it because I have an appreciation for it that I didn't it's previously. Continuity have. It's a good film. It's not a perfect film. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you can't have four without three. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. And and setting up that premise is fantastic. So, um, and for the, a sequel to do what it did uh, and really raise the stakes in a big way, it's awesome. So. Mm. Oh, all right, Excellent. folks. Well, thank you again, David, for being on the show. And thank, thank you, you Vactor, for, for um, powering through, even though you're not <laughs> feeling 100%. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, sir. Yeah. And I also want to let all of our uh, Trek friends out there know that Mr. Reed can be found at Dial the Gate on YouTube and uh, dialthegate.com. Very well. much enjoy all of your content, sir. So keep keep it up, keep it going. I appreciate it. We're we're just getting started. Yeah. 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 What? All right, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we will see you next time. Um, we don't have a, a proper tag to say, but uh, how about I this? I say see you on the other side. That's mine. See you on the other side? Okay. Uh, David, how about you do us one better and you say live long and prosper. Peace and long life and live long and prosper, my friends. Thanks so much, everyone.